Hello, good evening and welcome to another edition of the Disney Whip Radio Show. It is episode 218. We're in the middle of the summer holidays here, so we've got a few people around and a few people who are not. Uh, we've got uh, John, good evening. He's here, he's alive, and we've got Susan, good evening. Hello, summer holidays, what's that? Yeah, 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 I'm on a summer holidays, all good. And uh, that's it at the moment, because uh, John's um, computer is... <laughs> Not John, sorry, Garrett's computer. <laughs> I've just seen what he's written in the group chat. I can't, I can't say that out loud. Uh <laughs> I can't say that. I can't say that. Uh, he's on a computer issue, so he's not with us. And Katie is currently in the middle of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child Part 2, which I know it's not Disney-related, but I have to say I saw it this week, and wow. I don't want to give anything away. Hashtag keep the secrets, as they say. I'm not going to give anything away, but honestly, it is worth every single penny you pay to see it. It's phenomenal. We spent an absolute fortune uh, in the on merchandising, as well as seeing the show and all that sort of stuff. Just unbelievable that and i went for dinner at the first dates restaurant right no fred wasn't there no has he no it's that we went in the sort of two days in between them filming the television series you can see some of the cameras and stuff up but we actually went to the restaurant it's called the patanos and chop house the food was genuinely stunning uh it's not cheap but Oh, it was so good. Honestly, so good. Um, but yeah, no, Fred wasn't there, unfortunately. I was hoping he would be, but he wasn't. Anyway, what we've got to talk about today, uh, we've got three things to talk about today. We've had a listener question, which is something I don't think we've ever covered on the show, which is great. No, definitely nothing we've covered on the show. So we're going to talk about that. No, so we've had to do a little bit of research, which is good, and we've done that, and that's all helpful. Uh, we're also going to talk to John a little bit about the changes to D23 and what's sort of been going on there, just to make some of you aware of sort of the things that have been happening with regards to that. And also, I had the chance this week to head over to The Vaults, which is a kind of theatre performance venue in the centre of London, uh, to go and experience the uh, show called Sound and Sorcery Celebrating Disney Fantasia an immersive music experience. So that's kind of the three things that we're going to be covering today. So let's start off, I guess, with uh, this question that we had from uh, a listener. It's from Alec. Uh, so thank you very much, Alec, for the following question. Uh, so he's already sent us a couple of emails with regards to some bits and pieces to do with... Um, to do with sort of uh, Disneyland Paris and the trip that he's got coming up. Uh, he says, uh, further to my last email, I have not only booked a trip to Paris for the time in, for the first time in years, but I have gone right out and bought an infinity pass. Look at that. Uh, due to the amount I've already saved on my hotel, and then by time I total up discounts and photo pass, I have covered a good chunk of my, plan, my pass cost. So that's pretty good going. Uh, now for the question. Has any uh, anyone experienced eating vegan or more likely travelling with one? If so, was there many places to eat? I'm going to the land of meat and cheese, so I feel like I'm going to have to fill half my suitcase with food or live off salad. So that's from Alec. Now, it's a very good question. Um, we have not, yeah, so we've not really touched upon this very much at all in the past. Uh, but we have put our feelers out to the, some of the people we do know who go, who are vegetarian and vegan, and uh, we've got some bits and pieces to share with you. So has anybody been with a, a, a traveller or a friend who's kind of vegetarian or vegan? Yes. Susan? I've been to Disney World for some reason, but they weren't vegan at Disney World at the time. No, <laughs> okay. 
okay, so that's, yeah, a pescatarian sort of kind of fits within that sort of bracket, I would guess. Um, what was your kind of experience with those guys? Yeah. Because like, they're not very close anyway, so it's yeah. very, very easy. Okay, so that was fairly easy anyway. Uh, right, so I think, you know, the best way to look at this is to look at the different types of food that's available. Um, my suggestion would be to kind of go through, um, if we did sort of table service to start off with, and then, uh, no, let's start from buffets. Then we'll go to table service and then counter service. And then if we sort of separate the parks from the Disney Village, and go that way. So let's start off with kind of our buffets and bits and pieces uh, to start off with. My f go on. Yeah, and I would say uh, I'm thinking like Agrabah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Because um, they're in there, obviously, with a lot of uh, kind of Turkish, because a lot of Turkish sort of cuisine in there, isn't there? Uh, from what I understand, and they use a lot of vegetables, Mediterranean vegetables, and things like that within there. And from what I understand, they do an awful lot of kind of vegetarian vegetable dishes as well as everything else that goes on in there as well. Uh, so for me, Agrabah is probably a really good shout for a buffet, which is um, which is in kind of Adventureland. The entrance to Adventureland, you're coming in from the hub and from Main Street. I've never eaten here. It's yeah, it seems really weird that I suddenly realise it's one of those places I've never eaten in, uh, and I don't know why. I just kind of it's just never sort of happened really, which is a bit bizarre. Yeah, potentially. Um, that's a very good question, and that's a very good question. I'm going to discover. Cafe Agrabah is part of the dining package, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's see if I can find out what the price is for Cafe Agrabah. It's a really, really good question. I don't know the official answer to it. Let's have a look. Yeah, the prices for Agrabah. Uh, the latest I've got here are about $32.99 for adults. Um, and that includes obviously food and a refreshing drink or mineral water. Are you on the uh, I am indeed. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the go-to, yeah. Um, and then um, you've got your your wines and your uh, refreshments and your bits and pieces in there as well. So there's loads of those um, that you can enjoy. So that would be my first sort of shout, really, for something like that. Has anybody got any sort of other? Uh, buffets that you think might be a, a good shout for people because I was looking through them all I'm not entirely sure because uh, I'm trying to think Palazzo Gardens I only went for breakfast um, but I don't think there's a massive there you guys have sort of done inventions is there much in inventions yeah. Yeah. I think what perhaps it might not be widest very choice, but you will have the central items. Yes, definitely. I think you have to 
take into account as well with a lot of these buffets and things like that obviously paying at a buffet for quite a lot for a lot of food but they will cater for you uh, and cater for your dietary requirements whether you're vegan or whether you're vegetarian or whether it's you're gluten-free or, or lactose intolerant or whatever disney will always cater for those particular things but if you're looking for a buffet which kind of automatically caters for you without you having to go and ask for that kind of diy sort of uh, meal then Cafe Agrabah is probably your, your best shout, I would think. Okay, um, so let's head over to table service then. So a restaurant table service, uh, what have we got? I think table service is probably a little bit more difficult. Yeah, um, the only restaurant I know of that definitely does a, it's kind of a vegetarian menu, is Waltz. And they sort of introduced it earlier on this year, I believe. Uh, and they do kind of a three-course meal, which is you start a main course and dessert. It's not cheap. It's 60 euros uh, for the full meal if you want to go for all three. But they do do it as um, kind of individual priced items as well. Uh, the starters here are things like beetroot and cabbage, pomegranate dressing, uh, and a white bean puree with tofu and cashew nuts. Uh, and then for mains, they've got sorted vegetables with pesto. Uh, quin I can never say that. Quin quinoa that's it and courgettes or gnocchi grilled porcini mushroom sauce and baby vegetables and for dessert they have a chocolate coconut ganache orange marmalade and chocolate biscuit uh, which is also gluten-free and then they have a selection of ice creams and sorbets and seasonal fruits and those sort of things so they do have options in there they have a vegetarian menu which looks like it will be mostly suitable for for vegans uh bar the obviously ice cream bits and pieces at the end yeah yeah. Which is start a main course and dessert, forty euros if it's not included. Um, and there is a quinoa salad with spicy mushroom nut vinaigrette, which obviously you're allowed to absolutely yeah. bit screwed here. Um, but they also have a vegetable curry with plantain and cactus flowers, and then they've got a couple of desserts. I don't think the royal yogurt would be okay, but I imagine the tropical fruit soup must be lovely. So you're getting coconut pork. That sounds quite nice. Yeah, so there's again there's options that you can go to in those particular restaurants, turn up, speak to them, and then you know obviously they can they can alter things and do things like that. And that is the set menu. I imagine it would be going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there'll be an issue there with them being able to do something slightly different for you if if needs be. Um, let's head over to counter service then. Um, this is where it, from what I understand from some of the research we've done and the people we've spoken to, where it gets a little bit iffy. Yeah, uh, Yes, uh, you know, most of the counter services will offer some sort of vegetarian option, whether that be a veggie, veggie burger or uh, pastas and things like that, that might be an option for you, but not necessarily, obviously, with from being from a vegan point of view. Uh, but yeah, it is very much hacking the menu to bits, really, a counter service. Unfortunately, you know, Disney counter service, most of the food is designed to be um, quick and easy and simple and those sort of things. Um, but you can go in there and they will, they can, they can sort your food out for you from, from that counter service point of view, uh, which is good. Well, my first thought, which is more, my first course of thought was probably that I thought the simplest option is vegetable. Well, that's my first thought as well. That was my initial yes. kind of doing a fajita, vegetable fajita. Yeah. And the fajitas and stuff, I would guess they probably do some sort of vegetable fajita. I would assume they do something like that, which would which would be good. Uh, but yeah, it's it's very much unfortunately when you get to counter service, it is very much about hacking 
the menu and and kind of choosing what you can take from that. But um, but it, you know it is possible. It's just not necessarily as straightforward. But if you are thinking about looking at updated menus, then DLP Guide, which we've already mentioned, uh, is really good for sort of up to date yeah. menus and those sort of stuff. Uh, if you want to take a look over at those guys, DLP Guide have got a lot of the the most up to date or close to up to date menus over there so it's well worth taking a look at those and they split their dining down into kind of uh, counter service um table service etc and you can look at all the things they've got there they've got most of the sort of most recent menus so it's really good uh, and worth looking at that as well okay uh we've looked at parks slightly let's um head into disney village We really didn't. But it's also worth mentioning as well that at the minute they have the Rendezvous Gourmand on. Yes, they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah they have, yeah. Have yes. Um, so I know, yeah, I, I think the you've got Chef Remy uh, in studios, which will, again, put some bits and pieces together. Um, they've got a few vegetarian options as well. Apparently they've got a, they have a, a tofu and vegetable dish and stuff like that on the menu. Uh, but I don't think studios, studios wise has always been a little bit limited when it comes to food anyway. Um, you kind of think of the table service restaurants, you've only really got Bistro Chez Remy and Café de Cascada. So there's not a huge amount anyway. That's also true. Yeah, it's a very good point. Because you think like the, the Blockbuster Cafe and that sort of stuff, um, they do they do like a tomato and rocket bruschetta, which is not particularly... They do a three cheese salad. Uh, and they do... Again, they do kind of your your wraps and your sandwiches. But again, it's it's a bit of an issue with what you've got. Yeah, but not for a vegan. So it's... it's there's, you just have a salad. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not even a salad, is it? It's just lettuce. I'm trying to think where else is. There's the um, the main restaurant, restaurant Cooley. I don't think they've got a huge amount that's different because they're set menus. You've got a fish burger, but no. Uh, oh, okay. So there's a second look at the website. It's really, really useful. Disney Village, on the other hand, I actually think Disney Village has got a fairly decent selection of stuff. Yes, I think so. Now I know you're one of the th I've I've heard from people as well, and I know you found out from your um, vegan friend that Vapiano's is one of the places to go in Disney Village for something that is vegan friendly. Yeah, they said that's actually one of the best places to eat. We just hit Disneyland Paris. Yeah. Oh, well, we. It's Because Vapiano's has very much become one of our staple places to go to now, uh, whenever we go to Disneyland Paris. But they do risottos and... Oh, did you? Uh, oh, nice. Um, but they do soups, they do risottos, they do uh, every name pasta under the sun, all those bits and pieces. So there's things in there that will be that will be good for a vegan. Uh, so it's I would say it's definitely worth uh, one trip to Vapiano's uh on at least one evening as well um there is some good vegetarian options over at the rainforest cafe you've kind of got with rainforest cafe you've got a, they are good vegetarian options but the food can be 
inconsistent. Yeah. I've had inconsistent experiences. I've been to Rainforest Cafe. I've had some really great stuff and I've been and I've had some not so great stuff as well, uh, which is a shame. But Rainforest Cafe is, is definitely an option. Um, I've heard uh, a lot about Annette Steiner having a really good um, selection on offer for vegetarians um, and having some sort of useful, decent food. I'm just going to gonna yeah, grab... I think they've got like a soya burger on there. They've got a, a veggie vegetarian burger. Um, yes, they've got a veggie soup. Yeah, and, uh, Annette's style soya burger uh, is in there. So they have got what a soya burger still in there. Um, they've got a veggie burger, like you say. Yeah, they've got an onion burger as well, uh, which you can have. So they have got like a lot of. Uh, stuff in there. The the problem is, it seems at Disneyland Paris, and it's something I've not really noticed. And I should start to do a lot of research into this. Is that you can eat well as a vegan or a vegetarian in Disneyland Paris, but it seems that it's catered for so much better in the more expensive restaurants than it is in the cheaper standalone easier restaurants. Which is a I don't know if that's is that a European thing or is it a Disney thing or I don't really know. Is it a theme park thing? Yeah, potentially. I think you, you in this country. Their people are so much better at it now um, that I don't know whether I, I don't really know what the answer is. Uh, I don't know whether veganism and vegetarianism is as big in the rest of Europe as it is in the UK. Probably is. I I don't know. It's weird that they don't seem to offer anywhere near as much. Is there anywhere else that we've not mentioned sort of in Disney Village? Yeah, 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 but we're talking. Yeah, okay. You can do a celeriac flipped Disneyland Paris panino. I know some vegans are okay with honey. I've never yeah. seen anything that I've liked. Yeah. So I used to work in there. I used to work in a restaurant that served uh, gluten and dairy free food. So I am I am rather experienced in people that are vegans. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, we've got a couple of friends who are vegans, and I can tell you now, some of the food that they cooked for us is amazing. Genuinely amazing. I'm like that. I'd need a recipe for that and that and that. Um, Planet Hollywood has a limited menu, uh, very limited. But again, uh, unless you want to throw your money at something that's not particularly great quality, I would avoid Planet Hollywood. I've never been a fan. Uh, the last time I ate there, I ate because Gwen had never eaten in there. Planet Hollywood. Um, I think I've eaten in there twice in my life, and that's twice more than I care to remember. Um, although the atmosphere is great. Uh, the food's not. Starbucks is one to mention, actually. Uh, just as a, a reminder for drinks and things, they do soy milk in there for vegan uh, customers. Um, so if you're looking for something a little bit different drinks-wise, obviously you can go to Starbucks. That's a really good shout there. Um, it's just kind of taking your time to have a look around, really, and seeing what's, what's going on with that sort of stuff. The other one to mention, and I'll mention very, very quickly, in case you're interested, is Buffalo Bills does actually do a vegetarian option. Um, the vegetarian option is uh, tortilla chips, vegetarian bean chili, cornbread, potatoes, corn on the cob, pasta vegetables, and an apple cobbler and ice cream, which obviously isn't so good uh, to finish. So you can get a fairly decent-ish meal, uh, vegetarian meal, in Buffalo Bills, which I'm sure 
you know if you need things removing or changing then they will be able to do that um so but and buffalo bills is a good show anyway so if you are thinking about doing that it's just again it's not particularly cheap yeah they're going to be putting some 3d projection stuff into it so um it's quite I, I like the fact that obviously buffalo bill seems to be within the plans for the new remodeled disney village it doesn't seem to be going anywhere which is good but obviously on top of that you know you can take your own food into the parks uh, that's not an issue now depending on where you're staying or the time you've got you've got one hop on the uh, metro can take you out to val d'europe they've got a massive ocean supermarket uh, which you can go and buy all sorts of stuff from if you absolutely need to do that. Uh, there's also a little shop in the train station at Disneyland Paris, which does some little bits and pieces, but uh, it will be fairly limited for, for vegans and vegetarians. But on top of that, you know, you have got a lot of the treats and things like that. Apparently, the popcorn is vegan, from what I understand, so from what I've heard. Yeah, so, you know, you can enjoy some Disney popcorn uh, and there are plenty of sort of snacks and bits and pieces that you can enjoy during the day. So, sort of in answer to your question, does it mean you need to bring lots and lots of food and does it mean that you need to um, spend your time eating salads? Uh, no. Uh, feel free to pack some stuff if you, you feel you need to, obviously. You know, those bits and pieces. If you've got stuff that you know that you really like and you really enjoy, then feel free. You know, we one of the things we will often do is we will often bring stuff with us and we have... As everybody has now discovered when we went for fan days, we turn up with a, a rucksack full of all sorts of bits and pieces that everyone delved in for. We had, yeah, we had pork pretzels that you can shake a stick at. Um, so we often bring stuff over, and like you say, you know, there are salads and there are some decent salads actually that's, uh, that I've had in Disneyland Paris. But hopefully that kind of answers your question a little bit. I'm kind of hoping it does. Um, but if anybody's got any comments or questions, suggestions, anything like that with regards to eating as a vegan, then do send us an email, which is at radio at disneybrit.com. And we can certainly pass on your hints and tips and bits and pieces as well. Right. Uh, let's head into the world of Fantasia, shall we? Um, so I believe Gareth's with us. Good evening, Gareth. Oh, he's not. He is? He's not? Yeah, he is! Good evening, Gareth. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. I'm frozen. You're frozen. The computer is fixed. The computer is better. The computer is good. Oh, is it very much gone? Okay, that's fair enough. Right, so I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, an event I got to go along to. Uh, now, I have to point out, I was invited to the event uh, by the organisers, by the vaults. Uh, they invited me along to the Sounds and Sorcerer celebrating Disney's Fantasia. So uh, the review I'm going to give is uh, is from an invite that we were given uh, to the event, not because we we're an inside ear, just because we do Disney stuff. Uh, so to start off with, I have to kind of say that um, the event is not officially endorsed by Disney in the sense that it's a Disney-run event. I think one of the things a lot of people thought was that the event was a Disney event and it was being held at the vaults and that sort of stuff. And one of the things to sort of mention to people is this is not a Disney event. It's a, almost like a Disney-themed event, I guess, uh, which is being held in the vaults. It started uh, on the 3rd of July. It's running all the way through to the 30th of September. Um, I, I, I want to try and give you a review of it without kind of giving away too much and without review, without spoiling a lot of the uh, kind of experience that happens within it. But it's kind of a free roaming experience. Like I say, it's an immersive musical experience. It's free roaming. There are lots of rooms you can go into and each of those rooms is inspired by 
different elements of Fantasia, the original movie. Some of them are timed, so they contain actors and performance, so you have to go to those places at a certain time. Uh, but some of them are kind of on a continuous loop, and you can wander in and out uh, as you go through kind of the, the evening. Um, so we first arrived, and the vaults is in a really unusual place for those you've never been. I don't know if any of you guys have ever been to the vaults before. Um, it is literally... It is... It is underground. It's uh, you come out of uh, Waterloo Station and you follow it right under through an underpass, and there's loads of guys doing some really cool graffiti and that sort of stuff. And the vaults is kind of like there in the wall, basically. Uh, it's been used for all sorts of different uh, theatre performances throughout the years, and um, obviously the Fantasy one is in at the moment. So you kind of arrive. Um, when you arrive, you get told you're going to go through to the box office and start area. You can't come out beforehand. And uh, when you get to the uh, the front desk, uh, they talk to you about a little bit about the experience. You have to switch your phone onto airplane mode because if you don't it interferes with the system that they use uh, within the venue and they give you an iPod and a set of headphones and this iPod will pick up the signal of the music from the different elements of Fantasia and it will alter the music you're listening to depending on which room you're in and what is going on as part of the experience. One of the things we found with this system is that 90% of the time it worked brilliantly, but there were some times when it was a little bit hit and miss and it disappeared and it came back and we changed one of the headsets and we still found that it wasn't necessarily always working as well as it should. And it was a little bit weird because obviously you went into one of the performances that we went into and uh, it was, to start with, they didn't have any sound whatsoever. I was just watching people move in silence, which was a little bit weird. Um, so one of the things we went into was a show. It was the first thing we went into, which is based around or inspired by um, Sorcerer Mickey. You know, you know the famous scene with him and the, the brooms and the water and all that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, it used the sound in your headphones which was which sunk with the, the performance you were seeing and one of the things i really liked and i think was a really clever touch is actually with the sound although you had the sound in your headphones they actually played the bass of the sound through speakers so you actually felt the bass through where you were sitting or where you were standing which i thought was actually quite a nice idea because obviously when you've got headphones on no matter how good they are you don't necessarily get that bass feeling so i thought that was really good actually they'd use that it was a really nice element um, so we watched that sort of performance and it did say as you went in that you might get a bit splashed uh, throughout the performance because there is a lot of water that's used and there was one poor gentleman on the front row who did get a little more than splashed but he took it in good humour and it was absolutely fine uh, and um, it, was, it, was, it was different. You could see where they had used the inspiration of Sorcerer Mickey uh, and Sorcerer's Apprentice um, but it had presented a very, very different kind of dance, physical theatre style performance. Um, there was another performance as well, which uh, used the uh, several of the characters that you would find in Fantasia in different forms. So we had a an acrobatic uh, alligator, we had a ostrich, an elephant, and a ostrich, and and a hippo, who all did kind of a dance sequence within it. Oh man. Uh, actually, were. Yeah. In fact, I, we, I, you've got to, you've got to take into consideration that um, we had headphones on and the music was coming through headphones, and we were sat because we we got to sit at tables to watch this performance. And when the ostrich came out, I did go ostrich, uh, totally forgetting that obviously I did it really loudly because I'd got headphones on, um, and people around me like looked at me who hadn't got headphones on, going, "What on earth is he? Why is he shouting ostrich in French really loudly? No one could understand." Clearly, yeah. 
clearly haven't seen the best show. And then you have different elements. Uh, there's the, the the dinosaur segment that comes in uh, Fantasia. So there was a room that was kind of inspired by that. Then there was a kind of walkthrough area that used sort of the 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 fairy ice dancing and the mushrooms and the flowers and all those bits and pieces and you wandered in and out of all of those rooms and rather than just walking in and out there was different ways in so it might be you can go through a tunnel to this bit or you walked over a bit of floor that was a little bit wobbly here or you could use there was a climbing wall on one wall you could climb across rather than falling into a foam pit or you could go across a rickety bridge and so you kind of explored the different areas as you went through um and we were probably there yeah a good hour and a half i would think uh just exploring the different zones some zones we spent in longer than others um there were some that we we kind of went in and we walked through and we left and then there was others that we kind of spent a much more time in and watched the whole sequence because what you found was each sequence was the same length as the piece of music you found in fantasia so if you stayed and watched the entire thing you would kind of be there for the same length of time as you would be watching fantasia if that makes sense um, so, uh, there were some, yeah, so you say you didn't have a choice, you had to stay for the whole thing and some that you could wander in and out of. And then the very final segment was based around, uh, the Night and Bold Mountain. And, uh, you would have to watch that element and it would take you through to the final sort of finale of the, of the, um, of the performance, so to speak. So you were kind of, yeah, a lot of free roaming, but a lot of elements where you would have to stop and wait and, and do certain things that you had to do and you didn't have kind of free reign over those particular moments. So that was kind of the overview and the overall idea of what the what the performance or what the, the experience was about. I, it, it's difficult to call it a performance because although the performance is in it, it wasn't a performance as in you sat in a theatre and watched what was going on. It was that kind of free roaming experience. Now, what I have to say is um, I think if you, if you were to go and see this, you have to have a very, very open mind about it. If you're going along to this performance fully anticipating this to be a recreation of Fantasia in front of your eyes and you're a massive Disney fan and you're a massive fan of Fantasia as it is as the film, I think you'll probably be quite disappointed. But if you go with that open mind, I think you'll probably take something away from it a lot more. One of the things that, that Gwen did when she came, she brought her Mickey ears because she was like, oh, it's about Disney and that sort of stuff. So she's going to wear Mickey ears uh, when we go in. And I think quite swiftly she realised that actually... Not that Mickey ears weren't appropriate, but Mickey ears didn't quite quite fit in with the ambiance and the style of the experience. Um, so if you get yeah, so if you're going along expecting it to be a recreation of Fantasia, you'll be very 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 disappointed indeed because it's not. The best way to describe it is that um, they have created a modern interpretation using modern technology of what Fantasia might be like if it was recreated for a modern audience, if that makes sense. So you, rather than it being, you know, cartoony and those sort of things, I think, you know, the director Daisy Evans, who, who put the whole thing together, she has kind of taken what she would, what she sees, her vision of what Fantasia would be for the 21st century, and has, has kind of curated this experience that goes together. Um, and I, you know, there were elements that I really enjoyed. There was elements that I thought were really, really good. There were elements which I looked at and I was slightly baffled by, you know, there were times where I'd look at something and really obviously see that is the inspiration for, from the Fantasia. And I can see why they've taken that out there, but there were some elements where I watched and I went, I do not get the reference whatsoever. I don't understand what that reference is. So 
there were a few moments. So uh, the, I'm not going to kind of give it away, but the Night on Bold Mountain at the end, the first part of it, the music was fantastic because they've, they've re-recorded it with, I think it's the Prague Symphony Orchestra I think they've re-recorded it with. So it's kind of binaural audio. So when you've got the City of Prague Philharmonic Orchestra, that's right. So when you've got it on your headphones, it sounds phenomenal. It just has the bass coming through. But the first section of that Night on Bold Mountain, I, I watched and I, 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 I didn't really understand what it was. I'll be totally honest. Uh, I didn't get where the reference of the original Fantasia and that kind of came together. But that's about the only one throughout the entire experience where I was like, I don't understand where the re what this reference is or how it fits or how it works. Um, so, yeah, if you're an art lover, if you're into trying something a little bit different, you want to try something new, then it's well worth going to. If you're a big Disney fan and you want to go because you think it's going to be Fantasia, it's going to be Disney, stay clear because it's not it's not for you. And I know, Susan, you've spoken to some people about this who've been as well um, with regards to kind of their experience of it, haven't you? Then you had, you say you've spoken to some, oh, some yeah, friends. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was going in as a Disney fan. Yeah, yeah. Sort of watching the movie. So that's exactly that sort of, that's another person that you can try not to go in there because that's what they sort of were going in there for. Yeah. In fairness, in fairness to the vaults, yeah. In fairness to the vaults, if you actually look at it and look at what it uh, what it describes itself as, it doesn't ever say that it is Disney. It says celebrating Disney's Fantasia. So they haven't kind of ever said that this is a recreation of Disney um, as such. Um, and, and actually, obviously, when you go in, it is it's exactly that. It's not a recreation of Disney. Um, No, I wouldn't say Harry. I don't think Harry would understand it or get it at all. What they suggest is if you're aged eight and over, uh, then it might be suitable for you. If you are three and under, you can get them for free, but you don't get the headphones. Um, so with regards to pricing and things like that, just to give you an idea, it kind of is a structured pricing. Tuesday, Wednesday and Sunday, if you go, it's uh, £33 for adults and £23.50 for children. Uh, concessions are £30 and families 94 If you go Thursday, Friday or Saturday matinee, it's £38 for adults, £28.50 for children, uh, £35 for concessions and £114 for family. And if you go Saturday evening, which obviously is, is peak time, it's £43 for adults, £33.50 for children, concessions are £40 for family, £138. So there's actually a £10 price difference between Tuesday, Wednesday and Sunday and Saturday evening. I was probably in there for about an hour and a half. Now, obviously, you know, I went, I enjoyed it from, you know, my background is performing arts. So from that point of view, I enjoyed it. Uh, Gwen enjoyed it from her point of view as well. Um, so, I, I'm trying to be diplomatic. I think it's over, I think it's overpriced what it is, if I'm honest. Um, if I had paid £43 to go and see that, I'd have walked out and I'd, I'd have been very disappointed at what I'd seen for the money that I'd paid. 
uh, it feels a little bit like you're going into an art gallery, an art exhibition or something like that. And if you go to, let's say, uh, the Tate Modern and you go and see a particular exhibition or you go to the Science Museum or something like that, you might pay somewhere between 15 and 20 pounds in order to go into that exhibition and see it and those bits and pieces. And I understand they don't have actors involved and understand that the level of immersion isn't quite the same. But I honestly see, I find £43 a heck of a lot of money for what it is that I experienced. Mm. Was it busy when you went? Um, we were there quite early. So we arrived about 10 to 7, I think. And there was uh, probably 15 or 20 people that came in with us. But from what I do understand, uh, it has been extremely popular and there has been queues of people that are coming in. Uh, I don't know whether it's better when it's busier. I think I actually quite liked the fact that we had a lot of space and a lot of time to see everything without there being a huge amount of people there. And I quite enjoyed the fact that we had a little bit of that freedom. We went in at one point and we were in a room and it was just two of us. So we got to experience the whole thing without a lot of other people. Um, so it wasn't massively busy, but also take into account that we went on a Thursday evening uh, and it has been running since the 3rd of July. So we were kind of in an off-peak or sort of off-peak um, uh, time. Um, but yeah, I I find that a lot of money for what it is. And I understand we're in central London. I understand it's a live performance. I understand it has performers and they obviously have their costs and, that, and those sort of bits and pieces. But it is it is a lot of money for what it is. If you can get, if you can go on a, on a Tuesday, Wednesday or a Sunday or you can find some sort of discounted or tickets if they're available, then obviously it's a little bit different. But I... I'd struggle to pay that amount of money for it, if I'm totally honest. Could you go backwards? I wonder if one is wondering, I just might go back. Yeah, you, you can do in what order you want to. Um, so the only the only thing you can't go to is the very end, which is the Night on Bold Mountain. Once you're in that room, that's it. You're done, you're finished, and you're out, because that's the finale. As for everything else, you can wander in and out as many times as you want. You can go and see the performances as many times as you want. There is a bar in the actual venue which sells all sorts of cocktails and bits and pieces, so you can sit and have a drink and relax and take in the atmosphere. There was an area in well, the second main room, which is where the ostrich and everything was, upstairs. I knew that was coming um, which has got kind of an area for kids and, and adults to dress up in costumes and sit on clouds, like it's cloud beanbags and all that sort of stuff. So it's a place to chill out in there. You could be there for like longer. You could, in theory, yeah. That, they, they suggest about an hour and a half for your experience. But you could be in there, in theory, as long as you want to because there's no time limit on you as to, as to when you go in. But they kind of say, explore at your own pace. Uh, but it takes most people around 90 minutes to explore everything and see everything and listen to everything. Um, so, again, it all depends on how interested you are in things, how much you want to explore them. But, yeah, we were there probably a good, good 90 minutes or so uh, when we left. And, and don't get me wrong, I didn't leave going, well, that was awful, that was rubbish. Uh, we both left saying, actually, we really enjoyed it and we thought it was very well done in places and we liked what they'd done with a lot of the, the things. And, um, and uh, with regards to what you're saying, Susan, about wandering in and out of places, one of the things they have got is they've got clocks on the wall which use light and those clocks move around to tell you when the start of the next performance is. So if you wanted to go into a, one room at the start of the piece of music, you waited for the clock to go around and once you did, you went and you'd see it all the way through from the beginning. So... Yeah, you just, you know, 
so that's how, sort of how and obviously because the music's on repeat if you're in the room for the second half of the music you can stay over the first half of the music but you know there's the kind of the, in the dinosaur room which didn't have any dinosaurs it was um all to do with visual effects and lighting and sound uh there were points where volcanoes went off and all sorts of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily stay see if you only stayed in for half of it so you kind of really need to see it's a piece of music in its entirety to fully appreciate kind of the entire experience really um but like i say we left uh thinking actually we really enjoyed it it was uh totally different and actually one of the th one of the quotes from walt disney which they use in it is that uh fantasia is not really a concert not a vaudeville or a view but a grand mixture of comedy fantasy ballet drama impressionism color sound and epic fury and they covered all of those things all of those things existed within sounds and sorcery so you know it's if you are in london you are looking for something to do and you do want to give something that's a, a little bit different to what you would normally see in london a go then this is absolutely something for you to try and, and give a go and, and enjoy um uh if you if you fancied it there you go so hopefully uh that kind of covers everything i wanted to talk about with regards to that um okay let's head over to john so there's been some oh dear oh dear so there's been a little bit of breaking news with regards to D23. So. Right. John. Go. Okay. 
So this basically has put a, um, a stop to any plans that we had to go out to the D23. It's not that stop the plans, it's just put a massive spanner in the works. It just means you don't get the advantage of everything else. Yeah. I must admit, I um, I looked at the recent D23 sponsored post that went up on Facebook and there was a lot of anger. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, no. There was absolutely no reasons being given. Um, but yesterday, a very, very lovely friend of mine, Darren, got a phone call from a gentleman from G23 called Tyler. And Tyler has explained to Darren that it's due to the GDPR. Right. So it's due to the date of the text that came in on the 20th, uh, sorry, the 15th, on the 25th of May, I think it's the 25th of May, which is where we stopped getting the emails from G23. The signs were there. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's left, GDPR has left the world without the D23 membership option. Yeah. So, thank you, Facebook. Because it was because of Facebook. Well, that's what it was, wasn't it? That's what kicked the world off in the first place. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's the one, Mark Zuckerberg, yeah. Yeah, he can burn in hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the opinions of John are the opinions of John, not of the Disney Brit radio show. Um, But obviously that. Who could, yeah. Yeah, that's probably the only solution or option I suppose that you have at the minute, yeah. Yeah. So why should I not become a member? I can join, do you know what I mean? I can join my 19 experience and buy things on shop Disney that I can't have 
just a not count. Yeah. So, so you're now investigating this idea of trying to get a American citizen. Yeah. But if they're listening, if anyone's listening. Yeah. So you need to try and. Fair enough. Absolutely, <laughs> every length to get this to work. Okay. And is it the sorcery package you're thinking of buying, or...? We initially did, but we didn't make a stupid amount of money. It is actually a stupid amount of money. Yeah, it is a stupid amount of money. Okay, that's fair enough. So, fingers crossed. Ha, ah, that is. Ha, 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 Right, so we will get, we'll, we'll keep up to date with what's going on with regards to this, then, and with, with regards to D23 and all those bits and pieces. Right, I think that's it for tonight, then. So, it means it's time for... So, uh, thank you for joining us for our first show into the 10th anniversary. So, thank you very much, Susan. Thank you. What was that? Uh, thank you very much, John. Hello. And thank you very much, Gareth, for your belated entry. Yeah, thanks. I don't know why I like I like this guest. I like this kind of guest star appearance that, that Gareth now has, where, you know, he just turns up for a bit and then he'll go and then... You know, but I suppose that's what happens. We're just basically trying to phase him out because of his uh, hatred for anything haunted mansion related. We actually threw him out of the WhatsApp group this week. Uh, yeah, for his hatred of Phantom Manor, we threw him out of the WhatsApp group. Uh, <laughs> it's not happening. It is not happening. <laughs> 
Yes, it was a falsified picture. Anyway, uh, if you've got any comments, questions, or suggestions with regards to anything to do with this evening's show, you've got any vegan suggestions to Disneyland Paris, or you are so lovely you want to help John out with his D23 membership, then you can email us radio at disneybrit.com. You can also find us over on Facebook, which is Disney, uh, facebook.com forward slash Disneybrit podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Disneybrit. You can find us over on Instagram at Disneybrit as well. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention uh, if you are heading to London and you were, want to go and see something a little bit different Disney related you can head over to the uh, Disney West End pop-up shop that's just around the corner from Covent Garden really nice little place you can go along see costumes from all sorts of bits and pieces and they do some like makeup tutorials they do uh, little sing-song moments with some of the cast and you can get a photo taken with the lamp and all those bits and pieces um, so it's a really nice little thing to do if you get the chance to do that but uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks time where hopefully Katie will have returned from Hogwarts uh, still a Hufflepuff and uh, we'll be talking about some more exciting, interesting things uh, that have come out from the world of Disney and maybe John will have sorted the D23 problem all by himself, but we'll see. Who knows? But anyway, thank you very much for joining us. We will see you in two weeks' time. Have a lovely couple of weeks. Don't forget to check out all of our social media channels and all those bits and pieces, and we'll see you then. No thank you, D23.